For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to a Gold Cowfield episode of Absent Minded. It's Patrick Bexel speaking and I'm joined with Anton Rasegård, of course. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from the north of Sweden, as per usual. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm sitting here on the balcony looking into the to, to the TV because playoffs is starting for real here in Sweden. Matthias Norlinder is going on ice in about seven minutes. And we got to have an expert on Cole Cowfield today because he had an impressive start of his professional career just last night. And we got Jared Book here. Thank you, Jared. Yes, I'm here from the north of America. Well, you have to be because otherwise it would be two Swedes talking about something that happened over there. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's true. I had to wake up for this uh, one. Wake up? It's 9, 9 a.m. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. I was already awake. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, well, let's start with the obvious. We can discard all the other things later, but very impressive performance from uh, Cole Cowfield yesterday. Uh, two goals, one assist, and overall his play was, was better than maybe many had projected. You, you know, it, it's funny because the, there are certain things when, you know, you you think about it and you there's all this hype and there's a lot of hype in a lot of things that happen right now in, in, in sports, you know, everything, n- nothing is under the radar. And, you know, Cole Caulfield was in basically not skating for 10 days because he was in quarantine. He was making his first, you know, AHL game and in, in against a, a pretty good Toronto Marlies team. And sometimes you just have to sit back and just, and, and just laugh. And, and that's what Joel Bouchard did after the game. He, they asked him about Cole Coffin because, of course, they did. And he, he just kind of like, yeah, it was, it was it was pretty fun. And and I think that that's just, you know, there's so many things that we worry about in sports, you know, fighting for the playoffs and, and things like that. But moments like what Cole Caulfield did is is what people watch sports for, right? That that's That's the kind of thing that, that – you want to see when you turn the TV on and, and watch sports. 
Yeah, and we talk about that all the time, especially when we talk about the prospects uh, that we need to pump the brakes and we shouldn't get our hopes up too too high and too fast and everything. And it was fun just last night that that Cole Caulfield actually won the Hobie Baker Award because that obviously um, just, I mean, it's it's the end of his college career and uh, he gets the, the finest award he can get uh, from his NCAA days and then as you say after 10 days in quarantine uh self-isolation whatever you want to call it and he goes out and his first pro game he performs like that well i mean as you say like that is what sports is all about it just makes everyone happy right i i don't know i don't want to be a downer here but he's 20 years old he goes into a pro career uh first game obviously but we see this all the time in SHL, which is on a similar level. And earlier play, or players that are coming into a pro career earlier, I know there is a difference between the, the programs and, and how everything is built up. But shouldn't we really expect this from a first round pick? Absolutely. I think, you know, there, there's, there's certain, you know, a lot of people are comparing this to, uh, you know, there's two things we can instantly compare it to, you know, Louis LeBlanc. As our Andrew Zadonowski pointed out to his <laughs> millions of fans on on on, on Twitter, uh, not millions, but you know, uh, definitely not millions anymore after he posted it. But you know, said that Louis LeBlanc had three points in his AHL debut, and he was a first round pick around the same spot as Cole Caulfield, and you know, that's certainly uh, an indication that yeah, you know, good players who are first round picks play well you know that's that's why they were first round picks uh, another example obviously and, and you know he played well for the rocket last night was was ryan paling and you know he had three goals and the shootout winner is nhl debut and you know no one's expecting him to to score you know 30 goals in the nhl right so yes th- there is a need to temper expectations he's not gonna you know he's not gonna have a three-point pace for his entire AHL. Oh, okay. Let me rephrase it. He, for his AHL career, he might, because who knows, he might get three points today and that will be the end of his NHL AHL career. Right. So he might get three points for his AHL career, but he might not get three points again for his professional career. And he won't, he won't. And so, yes, there's tempering of expectation that needs to be done. You know, good players who can shoot like Cole Caulfield will score goals at any level. It doesn't matter. You know, you, you get a power play, he'll score a goal. You put Hillary Knight on a power play at the AHL level and show score goals, you know, it, it's, it's, that's just the reality of, of the situation. But I, I think what is different is that Cole Caulfield has scored wherever he has gone. You know, he didn't, Louis LeBlanc didn't put up scoring numbers like Cole Caulfield. Ryan Paling did not put scoring numbers up like Cole Caulfield. So it, it's a little bit different. It, it's like comparing, you know, Ryan Paling to, to a guy like, you know, like Conor McDavid. They're both first round picks, but there's a bigger track record when it comes to Connor McDavid when he scores in the NHL than when Ryan Paling scores in the NHL. So I think that, you know, yes, tempering expectations is necessary. He's going to have bad games. They're not all going to be like, uh, like Friday night, but at the same time, he's shown, he, he's shown us who he is. This is who Cole Caulfield is. And, and for me, there was no doubt that he would succeed. And, and exactly for the reason that we saw on Friday, it's that's his game. He can shoot on the power play. He can make things happen on that assist to, to Xavier Ouellette when he basically takes on three Toronto Marlies and basically avoids all of them and gets to an extra, uh, to an open teammate. And then he gets a semi breakaway scores on his own rebound 
for the winning goal. Like that's that's who he is. I have to say here though that okay, the first goal, fantastic. That's what we expect from Cole Caulfield. The second goal, I mean, it was more or less a mystique that went over to 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 his teammate. I was very impressed, however, with the breakaway goal, getting that rebound from that angle and roof it. That was very impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm undecided about the assist, if that really was meant or if he actually, it, it just happened. But but the skill was there before the move anyway. So so it, it was impressive. And But but he is 20. He goes into a pro league. And this is what, I mean, like we've seen players in, in Liga. We've seen players in KHL. We've seen players in, and KHL is better than AHL. Let's, let's be honest about that. But Liga is worse and SHL is on the same level more or less. And we've seen that happen before. So, so I know I like Cole Caulfield, but I, I, we don't really know what this translates into NHL yet. And, and we need to be aware of that. Still, I'm going to be watching the Rocket game tonight. So, so I'm not going to say anything negative about that. But we need to be realistic as well. Yeah, of course. But as Jared has pointed out as well, um, the, the game he put out last night is basically what he has put up when he was in the USNTDP, when he was in Wisconsin. Like, I mean, he is a goal scorer, but he has also been become better at driving play. I think that was, I remember how disappointed he was last year after finishing the season with 36 points in 36 games in his freshman season that he didn't get um, like an entry-level contract because he wanted to to take the leap already and i think it was great work by the canadians to just send him back to the ncaa for another season and then i remember david san louis wrote an article like i think it was about right before the world juniors where he was talking about how caulfield was trying to do too much because the Badgers team wasn't playing great then they had lost a lot of players and it was basically caulfield tried to overdo a lot of things and then he went to the World Juniors and he didn't put up enough points there, according to a lot of people. And then he just exploded once he come once he came back. And then the hype has just continued to build. And we have to remember as well that, well, I mean, this was I mean, I, I think it was a necessary step to just have to take that step back to the college level and just work on a few other aspects of his game because he's always been able to score goals, but I think he's much more pro-ready now than he would have been a year ago. And yeah, I think that is kind of, that that is part of what we were seeing last night. And I think that even on the night when he won't score, because of course he's not going to score two goals every night, but he will be an asset for the team in various levels. And uh, yeah, just the way uh, you're talking about Ouellette's goal, uh, for example, I mean, he creates that chance, even if it's not meant as an assist, he creates that chance out of nothing. Um, so it's just, yeah, Cole Caulfield is, um, I mean, yeah, it, it, I think that a lot of teams already have kind of ruined the day that they didn't pick him in the top 10. And uh, we should be very thankful that he fell to 15 in the draft. You mentioned the development program and, and how it has, has Montreal has really nurtured this prospect, this nugget, and and they polished him. They, they they made sure that he knows what they expect from him. And I think also it's very, very positive that they put him in an AHL for, for the foreseeable future or, or if it's a week or if it's uh, the whole season, we don't know. I think he will play in NHL, that's obvious, but but we don't know. And, and But we give him, they, they have really nurtured this plant in order for it to grow 
to the best plant possible. And this is not something we've seen with Louis Leblanc and, and other top prospects that, that Montreal has carried into the team. Um, do you agree, Jared? Yeah, I think that they've shown some patience, uh, especially, you know, the, the plan could have definitely changed when Brendan Gallagher got injured, right? I mean, they, they could have if they really wanted to. I don't think that they necessarily thought about it or considered it, but uh, I do think that they showed some restraint. I, you know, they could have had him practice with a taxi squad for a week and then, you know, see where he was at. Like, I think that they made it very clear that, no, he's going to go to the AHL. He's going to learn to play. And I, I think that that is, is good for development because in the past, they haven't had that restraint, right? I mean, whether it's because of necessity or not, uh, they, they just didn't have it, right? And, you know, you could look at, you know, Paling was it is a different thing that you know he played the end of the season like it was completely different. Uh, I don't even think the Rocket was say playing Kot Kaniemi in some ways. Yeah, Kot Kaniemi, absolutely. Nick Suzuki uh, to a certain point. Victor Mete, you know, there, there's 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 you know different circumstances because some of those players couldn't go to the AHL. It was either NHL or junior or you know, you know even Europe. But I, I do think that. What, what they're doing is they're, they're showing him the, the way to be. And look, the, Anton mentioned it a little bit. That there was this concern, right, that Cole Caulfield was going to try and do too much and could he adjust to just being uh, a, a good player as opposed to the star of a team. And you can see, you know, everyone, we, we've all watched World Juniors. Both of you have watched World Juniors. You've seen Cole Caulfield try and do too much. You can see it. We've talked about it on this podcast. You can see when he tries to do too much. You know what I noticed? And, and Arpin Basu, the athletic, also noticed it because he asked about, uh, asked us to Joel Bouchard after the game. Cole Caulfield, there's offensive zone pressure in the, the, the Marlies territory. And Cole Caulfield sees that he's, you know, near the end of a shift, maybe 30 seconds. His first shift, 30 seconds in, he goes to the bench. Nobody else is going to the bench. And I think that that's a guy who's, who was deferring and, and, and not trying to do everything himself. And Later in the game, there was this, uh, an opportunity where he he gave a pass up. He didn't take you know take the shot. He passed the puck, and to me, I, I noticed that. And I meant in my mind, I'm like, okay, he's deferring. He's going to the bench early. He's, and then not even two minutes after that, he scored on the power play. And I think that switched it off for him. And he's like, okay, wait, this is just hockey. And I think that he stopped thinking about it. He stopped trying to do too little. He stopped trying to be you know, the new guy and, and, you know, kind of tiptoe around. And he also wasn't trying to do too much. And that became the time when he took the game over, basically. <laughs> and I think that that's, you know, there's all these questions about, you know, will he succeed? Will, and, and there are still questions about that. Will he succeed at the NHL level? But I think that you saw the mentality that he has, and that is what makes him different. It's not just the shot. It's not just the dynamic play ability that he has with the puck it's not just the ability to find space it's it's not just the attitude it's everything put together that makes him uh, a prospect that doesn't look like he'll he, he, he can fail and he will have adversity but I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that he'll score goals in the NHL level and be a, a, a very good player at the NHL level if not a star I mean it's, it's just fascinating as well I mean you and me Jared we have talked about that before on the podcast like how the future looks bright when when you look at the Laval Rocket. I mean, we've had so many years that we, when we really haven't had any prospects at all to talk about in the system, and now when you look at, 
I mean, just the organization from the top down, it just feels solid. Like you have Joel Bouchard there. I just hope that he doesn't get picked up by an, an to an NHL job for next season. Knock, knock. Uh, but you see guys like, I mean, Ryan Paling, for example, is a guy who we kind of, I mean, when we did the um, uh, top 25 under 25, I don't know, did he end up in ninth place or something? Because we kind of had given up on him as a first round pick from 2017, just because of the center depth and everything. He now has 19 points in 24 games this season. A guy like Rafael Harvey Pinar in his rookie season is showing tremendous poise. Um, and guys like Jesse Ilanen, of course, Josh Brook in his sophomore season. It's just there are a lot of guys to get excited about in different ways. Of, of course, not all of them are going to be impact players at the NHL level, but they're still young and they are being tutored in the right way. And Cole Caulfield is coming into a group where he is, he, of course, he will be a focal point, but he's not the only one. And he has a lot of guys in this, in a similar situation as him that he can, you know, learn from and learn with and, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's looking okay for the Canadians right now, but it's looking pretty damn great when you look at, you know, a couple of years from now, if it just continues in this, in this, uh, well, like this moving forward, right? Yeah, I, I you know, look, I, I keep saying this, and obviously Cole Caulfield is different because he's by far the top prospect in the organization, right? There's no doubt about that. But everybody else you mentioned, it's not about who it is. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Harvey Pinar or Joel Teasdale or, you know, Ryan Paling was a first round pick. So he's a little bit different or Jesse Olinen or all these guys. It's about the, the ability to find three or four really good NHL players out of that group. Whereas when you have, you know, five guys, you hope you get one NHL or period. And, and that's what this, this organization is, is doing in building its depth. It's not just about the, you know, the top guy and, and, you know, hoping that they make it right. It's not like they're just pinning their hopes on cut Suzuki, Caulfield and Romanov, right. It's not just those four guys, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, Jan Mishak, it was what 18th in our top 25 25. And he looks to be a very, very good player, you know, in the system. And, and he's maybe what the, number six on the death chart of, of centers if he stays at center uh, you know uh, maybe even lower than that right it, it's just it, it's it's all about the 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 grouping right and, and you know the the saying sum is is greater the uh the whole is greater than the sum of its parts that's what the canadians organization is trying to become where it's not about any single piece but about the entire organization because it doesn't matter which of you know, Norlander or Gooley or Struble or Harris make the NHL, you know, as long as, you know, one or two of them do, then that's, that's the whole thing. It's not just pinning their hopes on one or the other. And that's, that's what makes this organization so strong right now is that people are like, oh yeah, prospects going to bust. Absolutely. They will not everyone in the organization is going to become an NHL player. But the fact is the more chances that you have, the more chance you have of finding really good players. And that's what they're doing. And, you know, it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. It takes time and you need to give them that time. You see it with, with uh, you know, Jesse Ilanen. They couldn't really bring him over, but they also have a chance to come back and, and play 
out a little bit longer this season than they did with Jesper Kotkanemi that only played, what, nine, eight games in, in Liga. But Jesper only played almost half a season in Liga. You, you, you see it with Norlinder. They, they keep them in Sweden. You saw it with Lekkonen. And it really has changed a little bit of the approach. They don't bring the guys over too fast anymore in, in many ways. We, we've spoken on that on the podcast as well, that it's a big change to move country to big change to move the end of one country to another and and living on your own, paying the bills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and all these things matters and, and that it creates a stability for, for the prospects to develop and they will develop better. And it seems like they are trusting the organizations a lot more as well. Uh, I know they trust Freilander a lot, uh, but, but also it seems like they trusted Pelicans a lot. It seems like they trusted, uh, well, they didn't trust Pori uh, or Esset uh, at the start, but they at least gave uh, Kotkaniemi the chance to play those eight, 10 games this fall in order for it to, to actually, to, to, to have him play hockey and, and benefit from it. And it, he seems to have benefited from it as well. And in that transition, going to this week's game in, in, in NHL, it really hasn't been positive, hasn't it? One overtime win and two losses. Uh, it seems like this week, Montreal needs to score three goals to win it because otherwise they'll lose if they only score two. Well, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's, that's the other thing that, that makes this Cole Caulfield debut, you know, so refreshing is that there there's not, hasn't been much positive lately, you know, it, and, and it's, it's hard to, I don't think it's hard to get excited. That's not, that's not what I mean to say, but it, it's, there, there's, it's a downward swing, right? Because you're, it's not only the losses, it's the Gallagher injuries, the price injury. It's, it, it's a bunch of things adding up right now. And, and it, it's, it's, they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know. I have no doubt about that, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a slog right now for, for the Canadians. So yeah, it, it's all part of it. And, you know what? As as good as the Cole Caulfield debut was, it has ramifications for the NHL team because if he performs at the AHL level, he'll get called up to the NHL. Whether it's after the trade deadline, whether it's you know for the playoffs, he he becomes an asset for the NHL team. And, and same thing goes with with Ryan Paling or, or Jesse Ullin when he when he comes back from injury or Lucas Vedemo or all these guys. You know, there's ro- roster spots are are a question during the season and salary cap is an issue and, and things like that. Once you get past the trade deadline, there's no maximum roster size. You don't have to keep accumulating cap space just to have, you know, the chance to add somebody at the deadline. You don't care about that anymore. So, you know, after the trade deadline and, and going into the playoffs, when the salary cap really doesn't matter, you can have these guys practice the team. How You have a, you know, a whole taxi squad in, in the playoffs. And, you know, we've seen, you know, guys like Dustin Tokarski come up from the 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 the, the kind of taxi squad to the NHL when needed. Uh, Nathan Bolia was a little bit different. He was a, a healthy scratch, and then you know came into the the lineup and and led the Canadians to uh, a series win against the Boston Bruins. And so there, there's there's a lot of things going on with 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 this thing. And and the the, the best part about the Rocket playing well is that you have a lot of options to get called up. Jordan Wheel is another great example where, you know, his salary might be holding him back right now. You know, he, he's a guy who, uh, talk about Cole Caulfield, he played great. Jordan Wheel was a big part of that game as well. He made the pass in the power play. You know, he's been very good at the AHL level. It doesn't take you very long to see Jordan Wheel is too good for the AHL. Jordan Wheel is too good for the AHL. So 
there's there's lots of possibilities with this Canadians team where on on the onset, you know, let's say, oh, you know, all they have on the tax squad is, is Michael Froelich. They have, you know, Otto Leskinen, who's there right now. But the Rocket playing well, plus the salary, you know, the, the salary cap and the trade deadline coming up. Th- there's a lot of options for the Canadians, and that's because they're playing well in the AHL. And, and they have lots of options, and that's that's the positive of this, right? You know, it's it's not just about injuries. It's about options. And, and the Canadians have are, are starting to have a lot of them. Uh because of Cole Caulfield and, and the others. What can we expect from uh, from the game tonight against the Winnipeg Jets? And if you listen to this, uh, we're, we're recording this on Saturday morning in, in uh, Montreal and Saturday afternoon in Europe. So uh, you might already know the answer, but but we're trying to predict the game tonight. And, and uh, what can we expect, really? I think we can expect something similar to, uh, to the last game, that uh, the Canadians come out bombarding Connor Hellebuck. And it just comes down to whether he can, he can stand. I mean, we've seen that in in a few of the games against the Jets this season that the Canadians have had the chances. They have just not been able to execute. Um, and let's just hope that uh, on the other side that um, the Canadians can't. Uh, I mean, they can't let in the kind of goals that they let in against the Jets in the last game. You can't just give the puck away in your own zone um, as easily as they've been doing in the last few games. Um, I think it was you. What was it you, Jared, who wrote the article about, I mean, the, basically the highs are very high with the Canadians and the lows are very low. And, and it just continues to go like that throughout the season. Um, I would like them to even out a little bit, but at the same time, uh, we've in the past, if the Canadians were without, the guy who's been playing um, first uh, first pairing minutes uh, on defense, uh, plus Brendan Gallagher, plus, plus Carey Price. Um, I mean, if this was like two or three years ago, I think the Canadians would be totally, yeah, under the ice right now. But now at least they still have a chance. They have depth. Um, so, uh, and they, <laughs> they've started to find a way to win in overtime as well. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Let's hope for a let's hope for a better better game in total and uh, just to bounce back against the Jets tonight. I, I would think they would, they would get a better start. You know, they, they gave up goals in the first two sh- first shifts on the last two games, uh, so I, I think that that's going to be a point of emphasis. That uh, I would expect the Canadians to come out. You know, they have a day off. You know, they're playing a t- the team that they played. You know, two days ago, they're they have more rest. They they have a day off yesterday, uh, on Thursday uh, on Friday. Sorry, day off on Friday. And I would expect a, a much better start from this team because I think that they're going to emphasize that. You know, Shea Weber said right out, you know, what, what was the difference between winning and losing? The start. Jake Allen, I can't have a performance like I did in the first period. They, they know. The, the thing is, and Joel Bouchard, when you, if you talked about Joel Bouchard long enough, when, when the team has a bad game, you say, as a co- he says as a coach, you, the, the best thing about having a bad game is when the players know and you don't have to say anything. And I don't think Dominic Ducharme had to say anything about the last two games, really. You know, even against, even against Edmonton, you know, they had a bad start in that one. So uh, the players know. And then it just becomes a, a, a matter of, of them flicking that switch and, and getting on the right path. They're, the Kings are not a bad team. And in previous years, yeah, Gallagher injury, a price injury would have been the end. E- even, you know, we've had seasons derailed where – even one of them goes injured in the seasons the rail. Never mind both of them at the same time. So, but th- this team was built to withstand that, and now it's just a matter of 
you know, they are still adjusting to the new system. You know, there's going to be growing pains. I think that the, the key for the Canadians right now is to peak at the right time. You know, now I, I think that, you know, yes, if they go on an extended losing streak, their spot in the playoffs is in jeopardy. But barring that, you know, if they get 50% of the points the rest of the season, they're going to make the playoffs. So at this point, it's about building up to the playoffs. You know, and it doesn't matter if you play Toronto in round one or in round two. You know, it doesn't matter if you play Winnipeg or Edmonton in round one or in round two. You're going to have to get through, you know, two of the four, the two of the three teams that make the playoffs with you. You're going to have to get through them. So it doesn't really matter what the order is, as long as you're playing your best hockey by then. And, you know, if the Canadians need any um, proof that this can happen, just look at last year when they were the one of the worst teams in the league. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, they get to the, the postseason and, and things started to click a little bit more. And, and I think that, you know, that, that they're just building the foundation. And, you know, you'd rather have your, your bad games now than in a month from now. Yeah, and you, you can say that they, they learned from last year, but it's also attra- attracted, the success in the playoffs has attracted free agents and they've been able to sign players and, and get players taking very cheap contract in order to play with Montreal because of how Kotka Niemi and Suzuki performed in the playoffs. Um, speaking about roller coasters, speaking about uh, prospects, of course, if, if you just continue listening after this, you will listen to Roger Unberg speaking about another prospect that had a absolute uh, howler of a game in some ways and a fantastic game in other games because that is what Matthias Norlander is. He is a roller coaster all by himself. Uh, some easy mistakes, uh, but also some highlight reel goals that can come at any given time. Uh, you can listen to the to, to the interview with Runberg. Partly, he he speaks about his desire for Matthias to learn how to when to attack and when to stay back, and this is. Should should be easier it, it, if you listen between the lines. It, it seems like this is something they've been working on the whole year. But also, he gives out some pointers I want to look at because the game is is on between Rugland and Freland as we speak. The first game of the of the quarterfinal series is the seven game series. Uh, Anton, um, did you catch the the highlight real goals and and the, the mistakes by Norlander in in the last round? Yeah, uh, not as much. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of of uh, playoff hockey uh, in in Sweden, but uh, it's just I mean the 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 goal that he did, um, like that you posted on on Twitter, was just insane, and it shows you a little bit about what he can what he can do when he's on. I mean, he he is one of those electric de- defensemen who can just take the puck and and basically do what he wants with it, and if you can insert a guy like that in your lineup, like uh, like uh, Roger Runberg has done as well, and and allow him to make mistakes. It's it's a fascinating, fascinating guy to have both in uh, in your power play and uh, on five on five, uh, because it's basically like if, if we look at Victor Mete's game, uh, we can see he, he's great uh, in puck transition, but you you never get an end product product right, and he's also a little bit too small for. Uh, some of the defensive tasks that he's um, supposed to perform. But with Matthias Norlinder, if he continues to evolve this way, you can maybe have both. You can have an offensive end product, you can have the transition game and a guy who can deliver uh, on the defensive uh, side as well. So, uh, no, it's uh, it's fascinating to see Matthias Norlinder continue to, continue to evolve because, like, let's face it, it was two years ago he was undrafted and then he won the golden 
golden cage for for best junior in hockey Allsvenskan, and this is still his first season in the SHL. So it, it will be uh, interesting to see what he can do um, do next season, especially when he's supposed to be one of the guys carrying that blue line forward. Uh, I remember doing a pre-podcast show, Jared, and you picked Norlinder. Um, uh, how, how are you seeing him develop this year? You know, just just listening to what Ronberg said and what you're saying, is, is it? Is, it kind of sounds like somebody else that I remember from from the <laughs> past, from the Canadians. And, and I'm not. I don't want to compare him to to PK uh, Subban because, in case you didn't catch what I was alluding to, I don't yeah. want to compare him to him. But th- those are the things that you know excite you as as a as a fan, right? It, it, the, as much as you like, you need players like you know Ben Sherratt and Joel Edmondson. The the ability to have a dynamic defenseman on your team is is what you want. And yeah, if 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 Roger Ronberg can do what you know coaches uh, in the NHL level can't necessarily do, because look, let, let's face it, you know, as much as you know, Fernando is looking to win, they're also developing, right? In, and they, they need Norlander for their team as much as they, they want the Canadians need for Linda to, to help the Canadians down the right? Like it, it's, it's a vicious cycle, but it is what, what, what you can do with development is important when it comes to, you know, players. And, and if you can learn that while playing in a top men's league, that that's better for the Canadians down the road too. Right. So I, I think that, you know, learning these lessons now is important and, you know, development is, is going to take time and, you know, the, the goal, I guess, is is that when Matthias Norlinder signs his entry-level contract, that he won't need very much time in the AHL, you know, depending on when it when he, when he signs and, and things like that. And obviously there's the contract situation in Sweden. There's lots of factors. But, you know, could, could Norlinder end up taking a, a route like Arturi Lekkinen, as an example, where, you know, he comes to the NHL right away. So th- there's lots of things to do. But, yeah, I mean, if you can teach a dynamic player how to – have a better overall game, then you're just creating a monster. And, and I think Cole Caulfield is even a part of that too, right? You know, so many people have talked about his his overall game has improved. And when you add overall game to a guy who can shoot like like Caulfield or a guy who can skate with the puck like Norlander, yeah, that's where you get superstar potential. And I'm not saying that they'll become superstars, but that's where that's the kind of base that you're working from. I thought you were going to compare Roger Runberg to Joel Bouchard. I, I was going to, but then I'm like, no, that might be too mean. But because 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 for London, the SHL is not a minor league, so I I was going in that direction, but I didn't want to. Uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely there's definitely a comparison to make there, and I think that there is are some similarities there as well. So yeah, I mean, I, the SHL is not a minor league, but I think that yeah, the, the roles are similar when you're dealing with young players, right? Because Joel Bouchard is trying to win too. So if he can help Ryan Paling be a better player in the AHL level, it helps the Canadians at the NHL level. And obviously there's a closer relationship there because Fulanda is not officially the Canadians European affiliate, although um, we probably want it to be, but uh, it's, it's not, we're not there yet, but yeah, I, I think, I think that there's, that's an obvious connection to make as well. But uh, I, I don't think Ewell Bouchard has these, um, what do you call it? The metaphors. He has metaphors. He has metaphors. Don't worry, Patrick. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Right. I, I need to, I need to listen in on some of his, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, the press conference a little yeah. bit more, but, uh, but it always bothers me since I don't speak French. I miss half of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. French is a lovely language. So, so don't blame me for that. It's just that yeah. I never learned. 
yeah a, a lot of a lot of the uh the really good nuggets are in french but he has these weird you know there are sayings in english that you're used to hearing a lot but bouchard kind of like translates them to french that you're not used to hearing them in french and uh yeah it's it's fun uh but yeah french isn't required but it yeah it could help for sure in regard to what you were talking about, Jared, when when you add a, an electric element to an overall good player, I think it's interesting to just look at the way the Montreal Canadiens have drafted during the last like four drafts. I would say that you have guys like Ryan Paling, for example, or uh, Jordan Harris, who are like overall sound solid players who will surely make the NHL, but maybe not in an impact level because they don't have that elite um, elite traits that can just um, propel you to the next level. And then you have guys like Jaden Struble, for example, Matthias Norlinder, um, Sean Farrell, guys who ha- have a certain, um, they had certain things they had to work with, uh, work on when they were drafted, absolutely. And they had flaws in their game, but they also had assets that could make, make them a huge asset for an, NH- an NHL team in the future if they were to develop in the right way. And it finally looks like the Canadians have the proper structure to actually develop these guys and let them nurture uh, for a few years and just let them marinate until they are ready to make the leap. Um, so yeah, it, fascinating. It, it's going to be so fascinating when we're uh, creating the top 25 under 25 for 2021, because a lot of guys have had good to great seasons. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to bow out with, with honor this year. <laughs> that that, that no. top three, that top three is going to be very interesting. Because this year oh, yeah. there was kind of, this year there was kind of a, a hierarchy uh, between Kakinyemi, Suzuki, and, and Caulfield. Next year, who knows? Yeah, you're gonna have, have Romanov in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because he's gonna be closer than he was on fourth spot. So, and and I, after the seasons uh, uh, Norlinder has, I, I would assume he will drop one or two spots, maybe, but but he will still be a top ten player. Uh, on the other hand, though. Um, we're going to call it here. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining me on this uh, uh, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon for Anton and me and for other Europeans. I know we have European listeners. Uh, Jared, Anton, thank you. Be sure to, to subscribe to the um, podcast, everyone, because then you get the updates with Coach's Challenge and, and the Dispatch where Anton and I are, are interviewing. The dispatches, at least, where Anton and I are interviewing certain prospects that we can help out with. There will be more coming there, there the closer we get to the draft. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.